Welcome to the HR Futures Podcast, brought to you by Expedite HR, the organisation behind Working Futures, the event for HR directors, and the new mobile application, Circal, the only app dedicated to developing and improving the HR profession. This podcast is also brought to you in association with Zealous, the market-leading provider of payroll, HR and managed services. And with us today is Melanie Hayes, who has recently been appointed to her first HR director's role at the Udeco Group. Uh, prior to this, many of you will know Mel from her time as a talent attraction specialist working at Sodexu and Compass and Care UK. Welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Um, tell us a little bit, I suppose, about your job that you're currently doing at the Udeco Group. So as you said, Kevin, I am the HR director for the UK and Ireland, and that covers just over 3,000 colleagues. Um, We operate across 10 brands in professional staffing and general staffing, so from ADECO to Bader, Knock & Clark to Modis. Um, And we've got revenues of just over 2 billion in the UK. Cramps. So so tell us, because you went in as talent director, didn't you? couple of years ago talent management director management director and then obviously recently been appointed so tell us I suppose first of all about um, why you went to a deco and then secondly tell us about this movement from the talent space into HR yeah okay so um, firstly I uh, wasn't expecting to go into a talent management role I was looking back at talent acquisition actually and um, my last four roles prior to that had all been about change and going and implementing change. And I um, met the CHRO for North America and the UK, and he started to talk to me about the challenges, and I got really excited, even though I told myself I wasn't going to do it again. Um, and that's how I landed in the business. So what were the challenges? What were the things that you went, oh, that sounds interesting, that sounds a bit different. Yeah, so um, it had gone through some change, and it was, as an organisation, looking to move itself from probably a more transactional delivery model to more partnering. I think that's probably the better way to describe yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. And in terms of the sort of talent, what did that mean from a talent perspective? So what were the things you think of actually, if I join this organisation, I'm going to be doing some interesting work. So what did you think that that meant to you? Uh, it was... I, th- it, I think it was the challenge around bringing all of those brands together. So okay. they'd historically operated in silos and as you would, the business was split in that way. Um, and it was really about looking at how do we go in, support that, look at retention, engagement, sat in my remit. So that was exciting. Okay. Yeah. So you've been there a couple of years. Is that right? About a year and a half. A year and a half. So this has been quite uh, an accelerated piece of career management then. So... So tell us about why go for the HR job? Why take on the broader role? Why uh, become a generalist after being a deep specialist for so long? Yeah, okay. So probably useful for me to take you back a step. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I've had a few managers who've said to me that you ought to go into HR. And I've, if, if I can say this, never really been interested in some elements because I loved my job, right? The talent management talent acquisition is amazing you get to kind of make a difference um and I think it was when I joined ADECO I realized that if I really want to make a difference and really want to bring about change I need to have that seat at the table so it's about being able to influence about being able to 
you know, spend more time with leaders, talk about the whole people agenda from a more holistic, strategic approach. Absolutely. Okay. So how long have you been doing the role then? Officially since January. Okay. So you bet. So we're now well, we're in the middle of the summer. So tell us a bit about what the first six months have been like. Um, a baptism of fire is probably one way to put it. Um, it's been interesting in the sense that I've had to learn things that I didn't know. And I'm lucky enough that the organisation has allowed me to do that. But understanding reward, understanding shared service models, understanding employee relations, you know, I've had exposure to those things, but never been the person leading never it. Never been owned them and yes. taken responsibility yeah. for them. So there's a lot of learning, presumably, in terms of all the different disciplines. But there's also a bit about, as you say, having a seat at the table. So positioning yourself to be able to have those conversations. So how have you gone about learning about those other areas? And I suppose just making sure that you're well positioned to have the conversations that you want to have. Yeah, I'm lucky I've got specialists in those areas. So they've spent time with me and they have helped me. So they've helped me to navigate the... um, probably the higher level in detail around those roles um, and what we've done together. So collectively, my SMT, we've created our HR plan, which has really helped with thinking. And that's been done in conjunction with the UK and I strategy. Okay. So, so I mean, we've talked about the breadth of the HR role. What are the, what's the bit that you're enjoying the most? What's the bit that you think, actually, if I get my teeth into this, I can make a real difference to the business? I think it would be... Um, let me think because we've got six areas of focus there are probably three main if we if we get the right people in and we retain the right people right that makes a huge difference to our business in a recruitment business there's nothing else but people so absolutely getting people and then retaining them so if if that's an area that you want to improve what's the What's the what do you think is the key to getting it right going forward? Is it more about attracting better people? Is it about line managers? Is it about induction? Is it about reward? I, mean, I suspect it's all of those. But in your situation, what's the what are the levers that you're pulling? Yeah, so it is all of those. Um, I think it's about where you start. There are two main areas of focus, and one is that around how we're attracting people and actually. Let's look at those personas. Let's look at how we're going to market. Let's look at different approaches. So don't, you know, this is standard talent acquisition. Yeah, yeah. Don't apply the same approach. But that's, that's, in, that's in your DNA. Yeah. You're great at that. So you, I'm sure you've got that. So tell us about the other side then, which is what you're going to do about the retention and engagement and motivation bit. Yeah, so that's around colleague experience. You, um, you often are on a par with a lot of your competitors nowadays when it comes to remuneration yeah, yeah. actually what gets people and what's what gets people to stay in organizations is the stuff that affects the heart and so you get people to buy into your business and feel like they're part of something i think that makes a bigger difference than anything else okay so and what do you so what's the way of improving that so what are you focusing on so measurement of it i suspect is part of it yeah but what do you think? Is it about what the line manager does? Is it about, I don't know, the, some of the things I said, is it about the induction? Is it about how we develop people? Is it about actually making sure they've got a great office environment? Is it about just giving yeah. them the right kit? So again, it's all of those things, but I'll tell you what we've been <laughs> doing. Um, last year we put in Pecon. So we already do great places to work and four of our brands 
were recognised this year. In Europe, we were named second best workplace this week. Mm. Um, but actually, uh, Pecon has been invaluable versus... Great Places to Work is annual, right? Yeah. So you get one snapshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pecon just allows us to just do those sense checks. What has been absolutely amazing in our business with Pecon is... is Well, there are two things. So one is... Our managers are really engaging with the tool. So tell us about Pecon. Uh, other people are going to go, what's that? So I, I, I've got a, I've got a bit of an idea, but tell yeah. us what it is. So Pecon is a pulse survey tool. So it just enables you to drop in either with a smaller number of questions, a larger number of questions. You can do them at intervals that suit your business. Um, we do it quarterly to give us time to kind of set up. Otherwise, yeah. I think people get people get survey fatigue, right? Yep. So um, we do that quarterly. What Pecon allows you to do is it allows managers with more than a certain number of direct reports because it's anonymous, anonymous yeah, yeah. Um, allows managers to go in and look at the comments, look at the themes, think about um, what sort of things they might want to do to change the environment, whether it's looking at working hours or, or other things across the teams. And um, what that's enabled us to do is each brand has three actions, three clear actions, for their, which forms part of their engagement strategy. We roll that up and we have the UKNI engagement strategy. And so we're really looking at how can we make a difference. And what it does is it allows you to make a difference quickly. So there are quick wins and there are things that you can talk about that could take 12, yeah. 18 months, you know. And again, I think the thing I like about regular measurement and, and at a granular level is you can see the differences. Yeah. So why is it great over here, but not so great here? Yes. What is going on? And it's okay, enables you to go where the issues are, yeah. you know, and, and be responsive. And the other thing is, that, as you said, is it, again, giving managers the data? Because actually it's them that can drive the change. You know? So I think it, that sounds interesting. And and what are the things that you've been sort of doing off the back of that? What do you think seems to be working? You know, where is it really going incredibly yeah, well? I, I think you just hit the nail on the head, right? So a lot of things that come out of HR are often seen as an HR initiative and people don't buy into them. And this really helps the business to feel that they're empowered to own what's going on in their business. So I don't think I don't think that they feel like they're being assessed. They they think okay, I can take this data and I can start to make some changes at a local level. What we're doing is we're using it to think about how we make changes on a on a national level. Yeah. And so we have started to do things like we've brought in some additional recognition. We know that not monetary. Um, we've brought in some um, recognition, which is really just like thank you cards for people, particularly across our mm. central functions, because you know the difference between yeah, in a sales yeah, yeah, business, yeah, yeah, front yeah. office and back office, and that that has been so well received. Um, in addition to that, we have started to look at office environments, and we're rolling that out across the business. We are feeding that regularly. We're feeding back regularly to people in the business. So. There was um, some feedback around understanding what our UKNI strategy is because yeah. a lot of our brands understand their own strategies. But how yeah, do we then yeah, roll yeah. that up so that people can feel like they're part of a family of brands rather than just one brand? Yeah, yeah. And so we have introduced a number of activities which have included we're doing regular webinars, we're doing more town halls, our communication is better. And it's simple things to make people feel more included. And if I look at the HR function as one... So um, one of the things that came out of ours was that they felt that they weren't communicated to. So we now have quarterly HR town halls. Each of 
My senior management team makes every effort to make sure they're updating and communicating with the team, but we're listening. So, you know, from an HR perspective, we took that information and we put in place an HR committee last year, which has no senior management in it. Cool. And they help us to review that data. They help us to feedback how the team are feeling and then make those changes. Sounds good. Mm. So now I'm going to take you back to um, earlier in your career. Yeah. And... I want you to just tell us about, I don't know, the thing that you're most proud of, the thing where you have led a change or made an impact on an organisation, you know, and you've you've worked in quite a few different environments and different types of businesses. So I'm sure you've got some ones to choose from. But, you know, the thing that I suppose you think, when you're thinking about people listening to this, they'll go, well, that's quite interesting. I wouldn't mind doing a bit of that. Um, That's a good question. I could easily go back to some of the change programs that I've delivered because they were about quality and delivering efficiency. But actually, the thing I'm most proud of is at Compass Group, I was given diversity and inclusion to look after. That's quite interesting. Why did they give you diversity and inclusion? Probably because I kept telling them we needed to do something. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so uh, we didn't really have a strategy. And um, I made the decision to start small, so focus on two areas. Year one was uh, focusing on LGBT and allies and then uh, gender. And a lot of organisations do work that focuses on uh, women in leadership and progressing women into more senior roles. Um, We've certainly got some work to do in that area, so... Yeah, not in my business, actually. Oh, okay. Mm, Which is interesting. Um, But um, I wanted to focus on female chefs. Okay. And Um, why chefs? um, That was the nature of the business, right? It was a food service organisation. So they're really important roles. Yeah, yeah. And it's a pipeline of, you know, great talent, and we weren't necessarily utilising it or supporting it or promoting it in all the right ways, right? So... I um, made that plan in January and, and I thought, right, if we're going to do this, let's go big bang. And so let's do a women in food event. So we were thinking... Women of in food event? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we were thinking of a title, women in chefs. Nope, that's not going to work. We landed yeah. on women in food. And, and so um, we kind of decided to do it as an external event. And so we targeted some female chefs from uh, other organisations. Okay. Uh, we worked with the business to um, find a venue and we um, had some great speakers. So we had Prue Leith, uh, Emily Rue, Sabrina Gurr came along Brilliant. to speak. Um, and we um, were doing this as our springboard to talk about what we were going to do in that space. So yeah, let's yeah. be a bit more public. Let's make a strong commitment. And two weeks before the event... Can I just ask, I want to go back one yeah. bit, just to understand it. So what was the problem with female chefs? So was it that you couldn't attract them or that they left and you couldn't bring them back? Or Yes. So not enough female chefs, particularly head chefs. Um, females were predominantly going more towards the pastry strap level. Okay. Or they were in... I would say they were in sectors that you would stereotypically accept them, expect them to okay. be in, right? right. And um, two weeks before the event, we'd already looked at our numbers and we had 35% female chefs and we'd looked at how we categorised okay. that, which was a very good number. But two weeks before the event went live, there was an article that came out, some research that said only 18.5% of women in the industry were female. 
uh, not women, sorry, chefs. Okay. Yeah. And so we were already above, but 18.5%. It's not a lot. No. And actually, the sector we were in offered so much more opportunity because, you know, often in restaurants, it's unsociable working hours, it's seven days a week, and it's also an area where people are struggling, male or female, people are struggling to recruit chefs, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, there's a huge shortage. And so what a great, what a great message. Anyway, we launched the event. We had, we invited 190 people and we expected about, I don't know, about 110, 120 to turn up. 170 turned up. Brilliant. And then we built our our women's chef ambassador network. So we had the chefs across the business who were helping to support us to, we built PPE, so protective equipment. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were, they were shrinking it and pinking it, right? So they were giving female chefs male <laughs> Chef wise, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. there was nothing for chefs that were pregnant, yeah, so yeah. nothing to support any of. So we we worked with one of our suppliers to build a range of female PP. Um, we uh, worked with that team to look at development programs. We start to think about how do we help our clients to consider more flexible working. How do we get our managers yeah, 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 to yeah, consider yeah. more flexible working? So don't just think I need a chef five days a week. Actually, how can we make that work so that these women can come back into the careers that they loved, right? And they loved it. And the reason I absolutely adored doing this was because the passion from all of those women, from the women that were in the ambassador program, from from the chefs across the organisation was amazing. And what impact did it have? So where were you at the end when you left Compass? What did you get? Yeah. You went from 18, no, you were higher than 18. What were you? You no, were 35%. 35%. So just short of 35%. Yeah. We only turned the dial slightly. So, <laughs> so it wasn't a significant movement. But what we had started to do is we had people that were returning. Yeah, yeah. And we, because we'd looked at, at women that returned post-pregnancy and their numbers were not good, right? And so we were increasing that number. So I think you should, you know, that sounds great, Melanie. That is um, something that more organisations need to think about. I mean, one of the organisations where I've just joined the board is TimeWise. You know, it's all about flexible work. They did a survey. Only 11% of jobs in the UK advertised mentioned flexible working. We've got 8.5 million people in part-time jobs in the UK, predominantly women. They can only apply for whatever that is, 89, you know, they can't apply for 89% of the jobs in the marketplace. So... If you're really looking for skill and talent, just be talk about flexibility and you'll get people coming to you. So let's go to the other side then. So tell us about something which, with hindsight, you shudder. You go, oh, God, I wish I had never done that or it didn't work or uh, I should never join that organisation, whatever it is. But I think the reason I ask this question is I think you learn from success, but you learn from failure just as much. So tell us a bit about something in your career that you tried and you went innovative and it just didn't... Pay off. I, I, I think I would like to think about that question a little bit differently. And oh, so, no. yeah. So I, I think if I uh, would like to do anything differently, it's probably to look at myself. Okay. So, um, you know how people say, and I hated this when I was younger, but you know how people say to you, if I knew then what I know now, right? I, I feel that way about my career, right? I think, gosh, I'm, I could have made more difference to people. I could have helped to do more. And I, as a more junior manager, was I work really quickly. I work at pace, and that can be challenging. I 
like things to be brilliant and I beat myself up regularly. Right? Sure. That's not uncommon. But I um, often recruited for type. So okay, what do you mean by that? People that were like me. Okay. So you look for people that were similar to you. Yes. Quiet, quick learners, got pace, want to get on with stuff. Yeah, energetic, challenging, you know, yeah. all of those things. And and actually, what I've learned is that you... And this happened when I was at KUK. I interviewed and I had one of the um, people in my team that came and sat in on this interview. And I interviewed this girl. And it was for a role that was really looking at... I was putting in an, um, an analytics person. Yeah. I really wanted to start looking at insight and thinking about how we shaped yeah. what we were doing. And and I at the end of the interview I said, Oh no, she's not right. I just and the and, and the girl that was sat with me doing the interview said looked at me and said, Mel, she's looking at data and she's looking at insight. Would you want to do that? And I was like, No, no, I, <laughs> I want to get on and do other things, right? Mm. So I think actually what I mean what I've got now and I'm lucky I've got now is I've got a real range of personalities that challenge me and that work well and help with my thinking. And, and, you know, before I had sat and I have made decisions about, okay, this is what I think we should do rather than, okay, let's work through these as a team. So that's probably one thing. And the other thing... And what was the catalyst? Was it just that one interview or have you... No. you done any coaching or you had someone... Have you had a mentor? You had someone that's been quite good at saying, you need to think about some of this. You, know, you need to think about teams and blends of teams and... The people you put around you. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of things. So I've had some coaching um, through my career. So when I was at Sodexo, I picked up talent. I had a, I had a mentor for talent to help me with talent development yeah. and talent management. Um, I've had some great bosses um, that have been honest. And I think that's hugely important. Um, and I have also had teams that have given me feedback, you know, so and I've listened to it. Um so, yeah, I think it's a combination of things, really. But I do reflect quite a lot on what I'm doing. So once I have delivered something or we've worked through something, I always reflect on, okay, you know, could we have done that better? Could we have improved that? Are there things that I should learn from this? And I do like to work with different managers because I think you always learn something different. You, you see the bad, right? And you walk away and you think, that's I'm never going to behave like that. And you see the good and you think, okay, I might take that with me. Um but the other thing, the other biggest learn for me, and it, and it isn't about delivery and working, it's about making sure that the organisation that you go and work with or for has the right culture. And I have worked in one organisation where it was hard and it was a big change programme, but the behaviours of the leadership team and the behaviours in that business were not good. And so mm. if you were giving some advice to an HR person or yeah. a talent attraction person, what are you, what are you saying about looking at organizations before you join them and how do you test that how do you test the culture how do you test that so you could because i think you're right you know if i always say to hr people they often say well i'm working with the leadership the team that don't get it. i go well don't work there then it's quite simple really yeah uh i think it's sometimes harder to do that i mean that's a really good question so your line manager is important we know this right you i have stayed in organizations i have taken jobs because of the people I know I'm going to work for. And I have left businesses because of the people I've been working for, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and I think you've got to make sure that that person is a good fit for you. And how you do that is 
down to your own personal style. So that could be phone calls, more than one meeting. I think you should speak to people in the organization before you join, but just understand what their values are and do they really live and breathe those? Mm. Because it's all well and good having values on a piece of paper or stuck to a wall or on a computer screen. You know, you've got to, it's got to be in that business. But you also need to understand what you are like. So if you need structure and process, then that's the organization you need to be in. If you you like entrepreneurial businesses, then that's the organization you need to be in. But you need to love, you know, we spend so long at work, you need to love what you do. And if you don't love it, then you should be thinking about it. I think you're right. I do, I do think you're right. I think it is about loving your job and the bit that you do. But I think you've got to really like the organization and what it does. Because... I think if you're in HR, your job is to work within an organisation and make it better than it is already. And and if you're working in an environment where it's all, you know, the control, top-down, process-driven, it's hard to influence the people's agenda because they just don't get it to start with. So yeah. I think you're right. I think pick your organisation. And also, I think you're absolutely spot on about knowing yourself. You know, know where I will fit, where I can add value and where I won't. And I, I think that takes time. Yeah. There's not many people in their 20s that know the answers to those questions. It but, does come with a bit of experience. But then I would just say learn, right? If you're in a job and you want to grow, then then put your hand up to do stuff. Be that person, you know, you know the kid in the classroom who's like, me, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. get involved in things. Make sure you don't overstretch yourself, clearly. But get involved in things, test things, see how you feel. You might, you know decide that that's not the right direction for you and you might want to go in another direction and hopefully you've got a great manager who helps you do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the best piece of advice you've ever got. Okay, best piece of advice. Because again, you said you've had feedback, yeah. you've worked for some great bosses. There's normally in most people's career three or four times when they've had one of those seminal conversations, you know, go, okay, that's interesting. I never realised I was like that or I never thought that this would be the right opportunity or whatever. Yeah, I, I've, had, I've had quite a lot of feedback in my career. Um, I think the thing that made me stop and think about me as a, as a manager or a leader is about my style. So uh, I said earlier, you know, I work at pace. I like to be passionate. You can tell when I'm passionate about something because then I talk at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's normally arms and all I get up and I'm walking around. And, yeah, um, yeah. But I didn't realise that my... Um, I don't know, how would you describe it? My not, my... not my personality, but my presence can be quite quite strong, right? Yeah. And I didn't see it. No. And I have had... I think I've probably had two bosses that said... One, one manager, which was from a very long time ago, and he's a very dear friend of mine now, said to me... Oh, actually, when I was leaving, he said to me, um, when I was running a team meeting, Mel, I often didn't know whether I was running that meeting or you were running that meeting. Um, because he, he did say to me, and he had occasionally told me that I would take over with my opinion, right? So, and I've had that as well from another line manager where it was around the fact that I have strong opinions and I often say what I think and I need to make sure there's space for other people. So, okay. So, mm. so, so, so great feedback. And, and how did you adapt? So what do you now take? How do you self-regulate? Yeah, so I I probably did it in the wrong way at some points before. So I'd done some things with old teams where I'd left like workshop sessions to allow them to feel like they should 
be comfortable because I want people to be comfortable to say what they think, right? And I want people to have an opinion, but but that's not the right way to do it either, right? So I um, it's about just creating an environment where it's okay for people to challenge and actually just measuring myself sometimes. So being conscious of, yes, Melanie, you might have an opinion, but hold it in for a second and let other people speak. So that's... Yeah. That's I mean, an admission. That's an admission. Someone said, to, I think I'm quite similar. Someone said to, something to me uh, once, which stuck with me, which is, you don't have to go first. <laughs> and as a leader, if you go first, you've set the context. They won't challenge quite often. Yeah. Exactly. I'll tell you what, this is the issue. This is what I've been thinking about. This is what I think we should do. And by then, everyone else is going, oh, okay, well, we're going to be doing that then, aren't we? So what's the point? You know, whereas if you go, I haven't got a clue about this. Give me some ideas about what we could do. And you get a different dynamic, a different conversation. Yeah, and the other thing is, right, this is not rocket science. You need to take people on a journey. People, If people feel like they're involved in the decision, it's that whole thing I was saying to you about things not being an HR initiative and telling managers and leaders to do things. If people feel like they're involved in the decision-making and that they're able to influence it, you get a better outcome. Brilliant. Okay, I like that. Um, we're going to have a break in a moment, but I want to ask you one question just before we do, and that is... You said earlier on that you've just done your new HR plan. And I suppose for me, one of the things that um, I find when I'm talking to HR directors, and I often ask this question, is we're not always great at deciding what to do and what not to do. Because there's a million things you can do in HR, and if we try and do them all, you don't do any of them well. So when you were going through your process of looking at the business and thinking, well, what's the HR strategy? We've got six things to do, but there are three bigger things. So how did you make the decision? Yeah and the team about these are the ones that will have the most impact and these ones we can get to later on and we need to think about, but they're not they're not the drivers of what we need to focus on. Yeah. So um, I've got two, two responses to that. Um, one is I absolutely think we should always, and I, and I talk to my team about this all the time, we should always challenge ourselves. And I, and I think some of that comes from the fact that I've gone into organisations to go and restructure and change teams, right? So where you do, you question the status quo. And we shouldn't just do things because we've always done it that way and then add more tasks on top of it because yep. there's something new to do. And so the, the thing that I say often to my team is we need to ask ourselves why we're doing it. And if there's no value to the business, stop it. Because I guarantee that it won't make any difference if we stop it. And so that's one thing that we hold ourselves to account yeah, yeah, yeah. as a team. And the other thing is, is that what we do as an HR function absolutely has to align to the UK and our strategy. And so one of the things that we did, we, we already thought we knew, right? But often what happens is we think we know the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're the ones making the decisions and we don't actually do any sense checks. And so building out the UK and our strategy, we looked at actually what we're expecting ourselves to deliver as an organization that allows you to think about what do you stop and what do you start or yeah. what do you continue? And, yeah. and so... We are in a market where people are what make our business. So our focus is on people. Whether that be how we retain them, and retaining them includes development and attraction, right? But also looking at how do we help them to perform better from a performance management perspective. Okay, sounds great. I always say three questions. Why, what difference, how we're going to measure it. Yeah. And if you ask those sorts of questions or stop, start, continue, what you find is half of it goes away. So that's that's really interesting because having come from a talent acquisition background where it's KPIs and you know that you've delivered something, one of the things that I say is 
what is the reason what you know why are we doing this and what are we going to deliver for it what's our output because if there's no output and it's not going to benefit the business let's just stop it cool okay we're going to be back in a couple of minutes we're going to talk a bit about uh mel's career going forward uh we're gonna explore a little bit about what she does outside of work and talk a bit about the hr profession and what we need to do to change it so we'll be back in a couple of minutes are you looking to reduce risks and operating costs or increase your agility and capacity there's more pressure than ever for hr and finance to provide strategic value for the business and for ceos At Zealous, our expert team creates software and managed services that handle your entire payroll and HR admin processes. We believe there are two sides to the employee experience. The fundamentals that need to go unnoticed and experiences that employees really care about. And we can help you master both. We're here to make the complex simple, freeing you up to focus on your people and achieve your goals. Find out more at zealous.com. Welcome back to the second part of our HR Futures podcast, brought to you by Expedite HR. Uh, with us today is Melanie Hayes, who's the HR Director for Adeco Group. Uh, and we've had a fantastic conversation. We've been talking about HR strategy and what to do and what not to do. Some of the things that she looks back on, uh, um, particularly diversity and inclusion, uh, very positively at the Compass Group. We've also spent a bit of time talking about how she learned about herself and became a better and more effective manager. Tell us a bit, uh, Melanie, because you said right at the beginning of the podcast, this stuff about, I was never quite sure about HR. Yeah. Um, And you might want to say why. But then um, you've now taken that role. So tell us a bit about, you know, what HR needs to do differently. So uh, you'll just take on this profession. I mean, you was always in a part of it, but you're now... Yeah. In the mainstream, say. Yeah. So I, I think um, HR has been going through a period of change, which makes it a more interesting place to be. Okay. Um, predominantly, rightly or wrongly, I um, felt earlier on in my career that it wasn't hugely commercial and um, not necessarily output driven, and it's it's really I think it's evolving right to keep pace with the business you have to show your worth and what are you adding what are you adding to the business in value yeah. and so so what was your perception how did you used to describe HR <laughs> uh quite process yeah all about process and policy yes and, yeah and policemen yeah that's possibly a okay. word I might use <laughs> and and now obviously you're making you're developing your career you're broadening out into a generalist and so that has to do all the stuff an HR director has to do tell us a bit about what you think the HR professional of the future needs to be like and um, what's the journey you mentioned the journey you talked about evolving and developing what do you think it should be about that journey um I think there are a couple of things. We've got to get better at understanding technology and how technology will support and benefit HR. Um, Understanding that we might not have um, people doing the roles that we've got them doing now and we will repurpose and reskill. We uh, need to be 
good at aligning well with our CEOs or country managers or what MDs okay. or whatever the title is to to help them with their thinking. I mean that I think that's always been the case, but yeah. um, thinking commercially and helping with decision making. Um, I think that it is about it is about how we how are we um, improving colleague experience, but driving that. How are we partnering? That's the yeah. I saw some research um, recently, which was talking about how putting in SME structures would mean that business partners would get more time to business partner, and that hasn't moved at all. It hasn't. Just no. done a piece of research, which I'll tell you about uh, another time. But one of the conclusions was is HR business partners are really just customer service. They're just relationship managers. They don't really have the value. They can't create the value because they're not strategic they haven't got the time they haven't got the experience so i think there's a there's a huge opportunity and i think you're right but then that's where i think we have to challenge ourselves to stop doing things and actually think about what do we want to do that adds value uh, adds value to colleagues adds value to the organization right so um not not just delivering a process not just making sure you know we've 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 really got to challenge ourselves yeah, and I think you're right. It is to be. It has to be about the output. So it is about that measurement piece. So how do you know you've made a difference? How do you go back in a year, eighteen months' time, and see that it's had an impact? Uh, so get that. So again, now you're having a conversation. There's a young twenty-three-year-old person in front of you, and they're going, "I'm thinking about a career in HR. I'm thinking about uh, joining this industry, this profession." Um, what would your advice be? Um. I would say go and uh, if you can get into if like I'm talking before career right if you yeah. can go and get internships if you can go and get work experience go and understand where you want to start yeah yeah and that actually you you don't have to um, I'm evidence of it you don't have to go the generalist route no. as long as you've got the appetite to learn and you want to ensure that you pick up different things you you learn from teams you put the right people in place when you grow your teams then I think it's a a great time for people to join. Cool. And again, I mean, just going on the other side, so if you were looking to hire some, I don't know, perhaps people early in their career, you know, what would you be looking for? So what's the key drivers? Because I think one of the great problems in HR is we don't attract the right people at the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? We're not competing with marketing and finance and sales for the talent. So I think what's interesting is we tend to get people that are really nice. But... The problem with really nice people is they're not often the people that drive stuff and make stuff happen. So for me, you know, you're now an HR director. You're thinking about, well, where do I find some talent? Who do I bring into the, to the HR function? So what would you be looking for? What would you, what would be the key things for people to join your HR function? Yeah, so I think it's, um, I like people with energy and drive and passion and um I, I want to understand their reasoning for coming into the sector. So, you know, there are roles. Let's not forget, though, there are roles in HR that are transactional roles. And if that's the route that somebody chooses to go and that's what they want to do and that's where they want to stay, then that's absolutely fine. But if you want to progress your career, then, you know, demonstrate that you're passionate, demonstrate the value you want to add, be challenging. That's, I want people that want to question things. That's the sort of thing I probably look for. Okay. Um, You mentioned technology earlier. I just want to go back to that for a second, because I think um, it's an opportunity. And potentially it's going to create lots of disruption and change, which 
HR needs to obviously get in front of. So just thinking about AI and machine learning and uh, you know the internet of things and all of the opportunity, what do you think are the bits that HR should be really looking at? How do you think it helps us run what we do? You know, yeah. So talent attraction. Uh, becoming more efficient, providing I don't know some of the basics more effectively. So, where do you think the the the, the you know the rubber's going to hit the road? Where do you think HR really needs to think about technology? So, I would think personally at, at the at the first line at the entry point. So, what can we do to automate things that mean that we can repurpose? Okay. So, if if we can do the onboarding process in an easier way if we can recruit using ai then fantastic even if it's the you know the sourcing and shortlisting part of it if we can do all of that if we can use that technology to source candidates for us across a range of areas and 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 Mm. routes then brilliant right if we can do that from a first line support piece with the with the hr shared service center that gives our managers a 24 7 easily accessible experience brilliant so uh I think we've got to start there, but we've got to do it well, and we've got to make sure it's connected. And and I, um, it was interesting. Somebody said to me the other way, um, the other day, a, a statement that resonated with me. As as an HR function, we have to eat our own medicine, right? We can't just tell everybody what we think they ought to do, and you know, evangelize about it externally yeah, yeah, if yeah. we're not going to put those processes in place with our own function. Okay, so tell us a. Uh, sort of coming to the end of our podcast so I always ask a question about future career and what next and that. now that's a bit unfair because you've only just landed in HR you've only been doing this job for six months but again you know do you think the HR role is for you going forward do you see yourself progressing in that or are you going to potentially go back and do a big talent attraction piece? Or, you know what I say to HR directors why not go and run a business you know why not be a chief exec or an MD so tell us about your aspirations career-wise and what you think. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing because I have had two MDs in my career who have both taught me to go and run businesses. Um, not something I want to do at the moment. As you said, I'm new in. Um, so I want to continue to grow in the current role. But my opinion as it sits is that I absolutely love it. I really love the impact that I can make. I think... I think there's a lot to learn and I do think there's a lot of change coming and what a great time to be in it, really. Fantastic. So uh, to wrap up our podcast, we always talk about the person, the whole person. You know, I'm a great believer in, you know, work's just what we do. Um, And there are lots of other things where we're passionate and uh, inspire us. So I'm interested to learn from you. Is it theatre? Is it literature? Is it music? Is it sport? What is it that, you know, lights your fire outside of being the HR director at Deco? It's funny. I was having a conversation with my team this morning, or a couple of people in my team, um, who they're going to festivals. and, And I said, oh, I remember I did nine festivals across 10 weekends once. So I used Jesus. To look, yeah. Well, no, I haven't <sighs> finished. I well, I I was an indie kid. You know, I grew up in the '90s music scene. Amazing, loved it. So, um, who's your favourite band? And then, I well, actually, that's interesting because I don't have a favourite. You know, I love. I went to see Ludovico Einaudi as a pianist. I love some indie. I'm next year. I'm going on holiday. I love to travel. So next year, I'm going on holiday, and I am doing Nashville, Memphis, oh. and New Orleans for the yeah. music scene. Amazing. 
But what's most embarrassing is next week I'm going to go and see the Spice Girls with my sister. (laughs) That has ruined all credibility. I don't know, because if you grow up with stuff and it means something for you at the time, you hold on to that moment, don't you? You know, 20 years on. That, no, that never meant anything to me. I'm taking my little sister. Oh, right. Just saying, yeah, listen. Because it meant something for her. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but other than music, other things that you spend, films, yeah. books, uh, anything? I'm always interested in, you know, here's a great play or here's a great film or I've read this book that was fantastic. You know, because I'm a great believer in personal yeah. recommendations. If it means something to someone, it might mean something to you. Yeah, so... Um, Three things I'd say, and the two don't really give you any recommendations. I mean, I was really lucky when I was at Compass Group because it was in food, but I love food, great food. Going and trying different restaurants, trying different cuisines is amazing. And um, I've done a couple of awesome two Michelin star restaurants this year um, where the food was out of this world. And that's like, those are are treats, aren't they? Um, I love traveling, so I spend every single day's holiday to go on holiday. So I don't do admin and I don't spend time at home doing DIY. That's what I use my holiday for. And um, and the only other thing I probably do and I don't get enough time to do it is I am a big... So I like to go and read and forget about stuff. So I read like Karin Slaughter, Lee Child. I love a thriller. So it's a thriller, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Love a thriller. Okay. Fantastic. Um, Thank you for spending the time with us. I think there was lots of insights. I think it's great to interview someone early in their HR career. I know you've been involved in the talent attraction piece, but I thought it was refreshing about why you've got involved and some of your early insights. That stuff about personal reflection, I think, resonates with everyone. So thank you for spending the time with us. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks.